Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. As always, to my left, in a much better mood this morning, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, man. It's still early, though, so you never know. It, tie could change. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, Momentum I, could swing. I, I, hope I'm not the, I hope I'm not the shifter. I'm, that's all I'm saying. You're, you, it's, <laughs> this man was ornery. Like I said, he was ornery last week, folks, but he's in a much better mood, and we are in a great mood because we are on the last conference preview. It is SWAC week this, fo- this week, folks. This is the last conference preview, and then next week, it's game week. It's game week next week, and we have our full preview coming up next week. But this week, it's all about the SWAC. We'll be talking about what happened in 2017. We'll talk about the HBCU culture around the Celebration Bowl and why that is such an important part. We've got a ton of new coaches to talk about, some big games. We've got a brand new SWAC commission, which we'll get to in just a second. But don't forget, you can go onto iTunes or SoundCloud and you listen back. You can now, after this week, if you're listening to this, you can listen back on all the podcasts right in a row. Take it in small doses, especially with me, but you know what? You can do so. You can go all the way back to the big sky. You can look at the Pioneer, the Ivy, the CAA, whatever you want to do. You can listen to all of those on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com. Emory's got some great stuff going up on the website this week for Swack Week and on youtube.com slash footballgameplan. Emory, let's get right into it. And let's talk about the news that just broke uh, the other day. As I said, there's a new commission town for the Swack. Uh, Dr. Charles McClelland taking over the uh, the reins of the uh, the conference. The former AD at Texas Southern. Um, obviously, that is a you know the new commissioner of the league. The SWAC is moving in a different direction. We've seen them bring back the title game over the last couple of years. What is you know what what are the challenges? Do you think though of of taking over a conference like the SWAC? Um, the challenges are is the, always about the funding and making sure you put the right product out there and get the right funds in to where you can continue to grow. Right. the league and, and really continue to present this in a positive light. You see other conferences are able to do that. You see how the SEC has been able to corner the market, juxtaposed right. to the Pac-12, which has struggled with their network. Yes. So there's there's examples of how to put yourself in a better position to where you can get uh, TV sponsorships or, or TV deals and things of that nature. The SWAC has a unique brand, historic brand. They have a lot going for them, good football, good tradition, good history. We talk about the bands all the time. So they have a lot to work with, and I think it's up to the commission to make sure he's able to find the right package to present that in a positive light. And again, with Dr. McClellan taking over, this is a guy who's been in this conference for a long, long time. He's a graduate of Prairie View A&M. He was the AD there for uh, seven years, took over Texas Southern University in 2008, um, and has been there for since that time. He took over as interim commissioner in December of uh at the end of this of last year exactly um so i mean again this is a guy that knows what the challenges of the conference are he knows the brand so i think this is a pretty good pretty good hire for for the swag to get this guy involved and um we obviously we wish dr mcclelland all the luck uh all the best in his uh in his new position it looks like he i mean he's been a he's been a success everywhere he's gone so i I don't think he's gonna have any problem it's just it's just it's just a new challenge for him um let's get into the swag on the field though emory let's go look at, back at 2017 grambling i mean far and away the best team in this conference last year dominated all corn dominated southern in the uh in, in, in all the big games they had except for the celebration bowl lost a and t 21 14 that was a great game i was at that game tremendous game um in that one but good seasons again for southern Alcorn state prairie view had a, a pretty nice year 
good rebound for Alabama State, too, after they had to fire, replace their coach midseason. They fired their coach, and they only lost one game from there to the end of the season. So, obviously, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of things that are up in the air here, but Grambling always seems to be at the top of this conference. Yeah, they were on pace for back-to-back black college national championships. They won it the year prior uh, when they knocked off North Carolina Central in the Celebration Bowl. The last year's game in the Celebration Bowl was probably one of the best ones I've seen from a strength versus strength battle. I know the first yeah. one was was great because you had Rick Cohen and you had Alcorn, um, but two of the best teams meeting up in the bowl game was huge, and Grambling had a chance. I mean, Grambling had its pro prospects. Yeah, uh, A&T had their pro prospects, and it just came down to who had the ball last, and Grambling wasn't able to you know, come away victorious. But you saw the talent that was coming down the pike. Yes. Um, and the reason why they were able to be so successful last year, they had great quarterback play, but you saw that roster like, man, there's a ton of juniors and sophomores that are playing significant minutes. They're coming back. This right. is going to be another really good team. And you talked about Alabama State. And I had the luck, the, 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 I don't want to say lucky, but I had the privilege uh, this January of, of sitting out and, and interviewing both Donald Hill Ely at Alabama State, um, Southern's head coach, Dawson Odoms, who was a great coach, and also um, Alcorn's head coach, Fred McNair. Right. All three guys spoke with passion. You could just tell that they are excited about you know, what they did last year, and rightfully so, and what they're going to be doing this season. So the SWAC coaching has already reached uh, the levels of the MEAC. And, you know, that used to be the biggest thing. Okay, who has the better coaches? Right. Who has the better quarterbacks? And who has the better team overall? The SWAC has caught up coaching-wise. Quarterback-wise is still up in the air. But with the way these guys can recruit, and we already put out the recruiting video this morning, so you can go check that out. But the coaching here is key. You got Broderick Fobbs, Donald Hill Ely, Dawson Odoms. You got Connor uh, Connell Maynard going from Hampton to Alabama A and M. Right. We, we you know we're going to get into we, all the new we, coaches. We know we know how Hampton is with yeah. especially with that program. So that's a that's a nice pickup. So there, there's great coaches in this in this conference, and we saw last year how competitive it could be. Yeah. And I just hope that we get another year of you know tight races that really come down to the wire. Exactly, and you mentioned the quarterback play, and it's going to be. Last year was kind of interesting because it was a lot of seniors, but they also had a lot of freshmen. Yeah. In the quarterback position, so you, obviously you have, you lose a player like a Devontae Kincaid, Footman from Alcorn, Howard from uh, from Southern, um, but now you have guys like Hollins from Prairie View A and M, who had a great freshman season, or you know all these other freshmen that are going through. It's going to be an interesting thing to see though where you know how programs like Grambling and Alcorn replace these top players. Yeah, and that's the thing because you mentioned Hollis and he's one of those guys that you would think would have come back, right? You would but, think so. But the moving and shaking that goes on within yeah. the SWAC, you know, guys leave the program. It's it's that's the one thing about this particular conference that you don't normally see. Uh guys just kinda like you know, you expect them to come back, but guys may transfer out, guys right. may decide to go to another program. So you that's the unique part about the, the SWAC. You really don't know until opening week, right. you know, because you kind of have an idea who's going to be back, but somebody could decide, let's say, week one. You know what? I want to transfer out and go somewhere else. I think that's going to be uh, – that's why we That's why we watch. That's why we are intrigued. Uh, 
But for the most part, guys are back. Like you said, a lot of youth was in the SWAC last year, right? which only sets the table for a, a fantastic 2018. We would also like uh, these schools to please update your websites. Like, that's all we ask. You know what I mean? Just just be up to date. But you, you mentioned it, it, it. This was a pretty balanced conference last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Grambling, you look at somebody that's undefeated in the conference, oh, how competitive could it be? Look at the scores. This is this is a conference that's got a lot of talent. You, we mentioned Prairie View. They're a program that's on the rise. Even though they, you know, they've gone through a coaching, coaching change this year, Willie Simmons moving on to uh, Florida A&M, but he's brought this program back to prominence. Allcorn is always right there. They're always a, a beast in the East. Southern, we'll have to see what happens with them. But there's a there's a decent amount of depth that this conference really doesn't get the credit for. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, you have a lot of new hires, both – Head coaches and also assistant coaches, key assistant coaches yeah. coming in. You know, for instance, Hal Mummy. We all remember him at Kentucky, you know, the right. air raid offense, and now he's the offensive coordinator at Jackson State. Tony Hughes is a defensive minded head coach at Jackson State. Now you bring in a guy that's known for offense. The Tigers are going to be exciting to watch. And and that's a pro that's one of the programs that was kind of down on its luck last year, only going three and eight. Um, but you're right, a lot of new OCs to talk about. You have Morris Watts moving in at Texas Southern. Uh, Ryan Stanchek is the new OC at Alcorn, so we'll see. I mean, the rich get richer in that case in the uh, Eastern Division of this conference. Um, that's what makes it the, uh, one of the parts that makes the SWAC unique. This is the only conference now that has an Eastern and Western Division. It's the only conference that has a conference title game, a true t- conference title game. Yep. Does that help or hurt the SWAC, do you think, having this kind of conference title game that extends the season and kind of cuts off any chances of playoffs? You bring up a great point, and and that's the ongoing question about the conference. Okay, do we move up a week and maybe have the conference game coincide with the last week of the regular season, and therefore our champion can go to the Celebration Bowl, the run-up, can go to the playoffs? But, you know, there's a lot that's in play there. They make money off the conference title game. They make money off of the uh, Celebration Bowl. So it makes sense from a financial standpoint for them to do both. Right. Um, But you're right. I like the fact that you get a true championship, uh, you know, a game which crowns a true champion um, because you have to settle it on the field. We saw it last year. The last two years, Grambling and Alcorn played some fantastic matchups. Yes. Uh, Alcorn – for, for a while there, last year looked as if, or two years ago, looked as if they were going to spoil the, the matchup between undefeated Grambling or, you know, one lost Grambling Don't and do it. Central. Don't do it. They, they almost did it. Uh, and so, but you got you to gotta love the fact that they do play the championship game. I just wish that, I think what, what, what could happen um, as the talent increases in the SWAC and the team start to, to, to win more out of conference, Right and, and when to use uh, the president's term bigly out of out of conference, <laughs> uh, I think that can help them. We've seen it done before in the MIAC. Yes, the MIAC are they're, yeah, the MIAC has definitely improved. Yeah, they're they're winning FBS games, right? Right. And so if they're if they don't finish the top of the the uh, conference, then they're they're strong enough out of conference schedule and what they've done on the field puts them in play with a higher ranking in a, in a FCS top uh, top 25 to get that at large bid and the SWAC has to continue to, to schedule better right. win those games and elevate the, the level of the program so therefore they can you know have both 
their cake and eat it too. Yeah, the other conference games, you look at the schedules for these schools, and we'll talk about some of the big games in a bit, but it's really either FBS or you drop way down to D2 or even D3. You look at like a place like Olcorn, they're out of conference schedule. They have games against New Mexico State, Georgia Tech, but then they get Louisiana College. Right. So it's, it's, it's really, a, you know, if they can knock off New Mexico State, amazing. But if you even if you destroy Louisiana College by 40 it, points... It throws it off. It doesn't matter. Just, so, like, just like Grambling has uh, had Bacone on their uh, schedule, but go, and that's an NAIA program. Right. But then they dropped football. So now they're scrambling to find, you know... A, a new game or you know so th- that's the stuff that you have to deal with when you're, when you're not scheduling great opponents now they've done it before we've seen them nearly knock off Arizona right so it can happen uh, but the scheduling has to get stronger and they have to start winning these games whether this even it doesn't have to be FBS opponents they can these games that we're going to talk about later out of conference within the FCS they got to win those games why do, why do you think it's so hard for the SWAC to get these kind of games within the FCS even I mean you've got plenty of conferences down in this area you know you get opponents from the Southland you can get them from the SoCon if you wanted to you got plenty of programs down here to play why can't they get them on the schedule is it just not as much respect for the brand of the SWAC or is it something no, else nah because people know they bring in a SWAC opponent they're going to get the ticket sales they're going to get the band to come there Right. So there's a benefit to bringing in a SWAC opponent. The I think the issue is just the schedules are made so far in advance. Right. You know, these these schedules are made years. If you look on any college website, you'll see a schedule for 2024. You right. know, yeah. so these schedules are made so far in advance. And with them having 10 teams within the conference, there's only so many open slots right. for out-of-conference games. And we saw that last week as well with the Southland. You can only get one, maybe two out-of-conference games. Right. Let's go back into last year, though. Let's talk about Grambling for a second. And, again, this is the question we always hit on. We talked about it with A&T. When you have a conference that doesn't get an automatic bid to the playoffs, that has their own, and in this case they have their own bowl game. We'll talk about the Celebration Bowl in a minute. What could Grambling have done if they had been in the postseason, had made the FCS playoffs? We talked about A&T. I think A&T could have made a good run yeah. last year. They were that good. They were that good. Was Grambling on that same level? Obviously, they lost that game, but that, well, that was an even matchup. You know, I, I would I would say they would they would have been a first-round exit. Um, I didn't think at the time, outside of Trent Scott, who now plays for the Los Angeles Chargers, um, I didn't think they were as strong along the line of scrimmage. Right. Now, the 2016 team that was in the Celebration Bowl that won it against Central – that team probably could have won a couple of games in the FCS playoffs because they right. were better on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Last year's Grambling team was good, but they wasn't the best. And, and the 2016 squad also had NFL receivers. You know, you had right. Chad Williams that's right. now with the Cardinals. You have Devontae Kincaid at quarterback. You had uh, Martez Scott, who or Martez Carter, who still who was played last year, but he's he's with the Washington Redskins. So. They had good talent on the defensive line. They had good talent at, at wide receiver uh, in the secondary. I just think that the line of scrimmage play is what separates the good teams from the great teams. Right. And A&T was really good along both sides of the line of scrimmage. That's why you had that opinion of, of a good one that A&T could have probably won one to two games. Hell, they beat Absolutely. two FBS opponents last year or, or close to it. Yeah. So if you're good up front in, in the MEAC or in the SWAC, you have a chance. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about, you know, I mean, obviously the quarterback play gets very underrated in this conference, but it's right up there with anybody. Um, defensively, 
you've got some really good defenses in yeah. this conference from top, even teams that don't win that much. I mean, you've got some ridiculous, ridiculous defense on this side of the ball. And you look at, for an example, you look at a place like uh, Alabama State. Not great offensively, but defensively, outstanding. Only mm-hmm. allowed 18 points a game. That was the best in the conference last year. Granted, they, again, they had a really rough start to the season. They couldn't score. Then they picked it up at the end. There's your best defense. They were better than Grambling, all corner Prairie View. But they ended up 5-6. and six. Yep. So this is a team that's got plenty of depth and also have plenty of coaches that are uh, new to this conference this year. a bunch of new coaches. We Obviously, we, we talked about a little bit Alabama State. Brian Jenkins fired midseason last year. That was only, only one of two midseason firings in the FCS. Uh, Donald Hill Ely, I don't know what he tapped into down there, but uh, he got something else out of the players in the second half of the season. Um, so he will be in full charge. He's been given the full-time job. Uh, fully earned. Fully, fully earned. He did a great job there. Uh, let's move into some of the other changes. So four other changes. Alabama A&M with the change. James Spady fired. Um, as you said, Connell Maynard taking over as the new head coach. This one, I think, this one's one of the ones that surprised you, right, when it happened, the coaching change here. Yeah, because I thought Maynard would have stayed at Hampton you know, to help them move from the MEAC to the Big South. Yeah. And, you know, they moved on from him. And great job by A&M getting a guy that's a – he's an offensive guy. Played quarterback uh, successfully in the MEAC successfully in the Arena Football League, and I think he's going to bring that offensive firepower back to A&M. A&M has talent. Yes. Uh, they have a really good area to recruit in, and I think Maynard is going to be the guy to help that offense really stabilize and compete in this way. What's nice is you have a proven entity, too. You, yeah. You know, sometimes you get, you know, there are certain situations where it's good to have a first-time head coach, and we've had plenty of them that we've talked about on the previous podcasts where, you know, this guy's been an, an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator for a while. He's been a head coach at a lower level, and now he's getting into the FCS as a full time, first time FCS head coach. But with a program, you know, with some programs, it's better to have that proven entity. And when you have a team that has talent, like an Alabama A&M, you got a guy who's been at Hampton for the last, as you said, last three four years. He knows how to win. Mm-hmm. Hampton may not have had the, its best stretch, but they were still a, a difficult game, no matter who they were playing. So it'll be interesting to see what Coach Maynard can do there. Um, Arkansas Pine Bluff, another uh, one of the changes. Monte Coleman resigned at the end of the season. Cedric Thomas taking over as the new ball coach there. Pine Bluff was 2-9 and nine last season. Coach Thomas has got a lot of work on his hands. Yeah, he does. And I think this is one of those jobs where you like to bring in someone new. You know, someone that he can mm-hmm. kind of build his name. That's not, and not that Coach Coleman was doing this because he was there for a long time. But you don't want to get a coach that's going to use this as a stepping stone to another job. Uh, So when you're a young coach, you come in, you try to mold the program into your liking. And if you do a good job, you find yourself becoming a legend there. And I think this is an opportunity for that uh, for, you know, the new hire. Uh, Let's move on to the next the next hire. Mississippi Valley State, the Delta Devils with a new man in charge. Uh, Rick Komegi, his contract was not renewed. Vincent Dancy, the new head coach, another team that struggled last year at two and nine, one and six in conference play. Really a, a difficult situation, too, Mississippi Valley State. It's a, it's a unique situation if, for people that have never been down there. Yeah, it's a very unique situation. It's really tough to win there, and Komegi was a legend. And so that, that goes to your point. You know, this is another opportunity for – that's probably tailor-made for a guy that's new. Right. A guy that, you know, you may have not heard of. You know, a young guy. And so that can come in and, and really try to get recruits to sign with Mississippi Valley State – 
build a young program, develop these young players, and, and really try to turn this thing around because this used to be one of the premier programs in the SWAC in the 80s. And, yeah. you know, they fell on hard times. Some some situations out of their control. Right. You know, but there's, this is a Division One college job. Here's your opportunity. You're a young head coach. Go in there and, and try to make something work. One of the more surprising changes, too, uh, not really surprising, but Prairie View A&M, uh, Willie Simmons moving on to Florida A&M. Um, some would say that's a step up. Some would say that's a step to the side and to move up a different ladder. Um, Eric Dooley takes over. He's brought in a completely different staff as well for Prairie View A&M. This is a Panther team that had pretty good success last year. They were 6-5. and five. It's a program that's building. Mm-hmm. So now that you've had that success, not only do you get a new head coach, you've got completely new assistants. Does that hurt, help? Does that continue the progression? Does it retract it? What do you think? You know, I think it. I think it helps because new, you know, fresh voices coming in, mm-hmm. and Eric Dooley is a phenomenal coach. Uh, coached me in high school. Okay, there you go. You know, <laughs> need we say more? He, but every stop he's been, whether it was Pine Bluff, uh, Southern, um, Grambling, recently with the success they've had, with the pro prospects that he has developed, true. With the offense he's run. He should have gotten a head coaching job, I want to say, years ago. Yeah. You know, so getting this opportunity is huge for him in that program that Willie Simmons did a great job of elevating in that state that's talent rich, uh, recruiting wise. This is a team that's going to be an excellent team to watch because Dooley is a genuine, you know, genuinely good guy, a great coach, great X's and O's. And he's an awesome recruiter. Right. And so he has had experience recruiting from Texas all the way to Florida, even up to Georgia. So he knows how to recruit. He's been in the swag, so he knows the the landscape. Right. This was a perfect fit. And, I mean, again, he's got the talent there that he can already yes. work with. He's got great talent on the offensive line coming back. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens with uh, Holcomb, the tight end, Hardy at wide receiver going into their senior season. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Prairie View, do you think they're a sleeper team? I think they could be a sleeper team here. Yeah, they, they definitely can. It's going to all come down to uh, what they get at quarterback. Right. You know? uh, so, but this is a team that, again, because uh, you could trust in the coaching, trust in the talent that, that's, that was left there by Willie Simmons. Yeah, this is a team that you definitely have to keep an eye on. All I'm saying is if Prairie View A&M was in the East Division, Alcorn's got a challenge. Oh, yeah. That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. That's the thing with Prairie View is they're stuck with Southern and Grambling. I was about to say, you got three big dogs in the West. And then you got the one dog over on the Eastern side. Right. No offense to Alabama State or Alabama A&M or any of those other programs, but Alcorn is king in the East. They have been for a long, long time. But let's talk about the other big game for the SWAC that everybody kind of looks forward to. And again, being a conference that doesn't have a playoff spot, this is really the ultimate, and that is the Celebration Bowl. And we didn't talk about it when we talked about the MIAC because we wanted to get both conferences done before we talked about this. This really is, again, it's a unique game because, A, it's the only bowl game at the FCS level, and we see the kind of benefit that comes from it, which leads to the question, why can't you expand it? But in terms of the HBCU conferences, this is the ultimate. This is, as you said, this is the national championship game for these conferences, and it, it has turned from just a football game for bragging rights into, I mean, it's in the name. It's a celebration of the athletes, 
the schools, the bands, the culture, the whole thing, and it's just a tremendous atmosphere. Yeah, and and before HBCU game day jumps in my mentions, uh, I want to <laughs> I want to make sure to say it. Yes, it is the national championship, the Black College National Championship, but it's not the true national championship as you're not including the the SIAC and the CIAA. Okay, uh, the two Division two HBCU conferences. So, are you saying it should be a playoff? It should be a fourteen or, <laughs> or fourteen be- jamboree or something like that, <laughs> you know. But um, but the Celebration Bowl, it, I've gone all three years. Excellent, yeah, top to bottom. The people that put the the bowl game together, to the people that run it, the marketing people, to the PR people, to everything about the game is outstanding. And the other part that you failed to mention, that's a big reason why it's a it's a fantastic concept. It's the national nationally televised bowl game on ABC. Yes. It's the first bowl game. Yeah, it comes on at noon, Eastern time, and which we- is great because it allows me to get that late flight out of Atlanta that night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get you go you go in. You find your Chick Fil A. I know you were you were looking forward to that last year. Oh yeah, absolutely. didn't get it. Didn't you didn't even it. go for it. Nope. So it's like found other options that in Atlanta that were fantastic. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> but like again, that's the thing though. Like myself, I I am a huge college bowl nut. You know, I do the the everything every year with the you know the pickums and the confidence picks and that sort of thing. And no one has a clue, or very few people have a clue what the Celebration Bowl is, which is a crying shame because. I mean, again, yeah, it's FCS, cool, whatever, but it's good. Like these are these are two conference champions facing off. It's it's pretty much the same as you get in the national title game, right? At the FCS level, you have two conference champions who are there for a reason, playing a tremendous game with one of the best atmospheres you'll find at a bowl game. Because some of these bowl games, like some of them, are really good. You get a place, you know, obviously like the Rose Bowl. Yeah, or, the toward the end, like toward New Year's Day and yeah. afterwards. Yeah, those are gonna be. Jam-packed. But then you have the fertilize my lawn and then cut it grasshopper whatever bowl that, you know, it, it's in the like it's so far away that neither school can get any fans and it's just kind of, eh. It's empty. Know, it looks look, like a practice. Yeah, the, like the football might be great. The bowl game might be like the Bahamas Bowl. Like the one right, who's, going to, who's going to the Bahamas right before Christmas? If you paid me, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to the Bahamas any time of the year. But you have some great football games getting played, right. but there's no one there. You're playing this game in Atlanta. You're playing this in the heart of the South, and you get a tremendous crowd. Again, if you haven't seen some of the bands in, in the MEAC and the SWAC, they are outstanding. Incredible sound, incredible. Again, the atmosphere is just something that I can't get over with this game, but nobody knows what it is. And you're in an area that's no, that is historic for HBCUs. You got Morehouse, you got Clark, yeah. You have, uh, you have, well, you had Morris Brown, but you have a lot of HBCU pro Spellman, um, you know, there, right? And and I think that's also part of the draw. Is that is not put in a place where no one is familiar with HBCU football, right? Atlanta is huge, and I think that all ties because not only are you getting the A&T or the Grambling fans to come in and, and for the game, but you're getting the Spellman, Morehouse, Clark Atlanta group to come in as well. Yeah, exactly. HBCUs, you know, it's and it's a good area. A lot of flights can come in and out. Right. A lot of people want to go to Atlanta. So it's a it's a perfect spot, perfect week, ideally suited for a bowl game. Um, everything about this is first class. And this is I will be going for a fourth year. There you go. And this is something that I think the new commissioner, Dr. McClellan, has to build on because it's already there. The base is there. You get this game to national recognition. I remember I was, you know, 
obviously, as you said, it's the first bowl game on. So I'm watching it, and I get a text from my buddy. He's like, what conferences are these schools at? And I'm like, MEAC and SWAC. He's like, I'm sorry, what? How can they be MEAC or SWAC? How, how are they this good? I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about, do you? Like, He's like, I was about to flip over at 1 o'clock to the next bowl game, but I'm sticking with this one. I'm like, yeah, because I'm telling you, these are, like, as soon as I told him these are conference champions, like, wait, I've never heard of this before. Why have I never heard of this? So, again, this is something that you have to market. You know, obviously, they get a great base now. They fill that stadium up. It's electric. You get more people to watch this game and stick to ABC at 12 o'clock and hold on to this game first, it's only going to get better. And, and as you said, you I mean the quality of football is off the charts and it, it's almost like a brotherhood down there in Atlanta when it comes to the HBCU schools you know they all kind of support each other and that's kind of the way so it'll be interesting to see what happens this year of course we've had last year we had a doozy of a game with A&T versus Grambling two powerhouse schools it looks like it's heading that direction again A&T looks good Grambling's good. Emery's got a look on his face saying he might disagree. He might have a hot take coming. Do you want a mid-show <laughs> hot take? Is that, you well, want to get it off your no, chest? But, but you, you wouldn't be wrong with that prediction. I mean, that's a safe prediction. Right. That, that, that's what I'm saying. But you, you, you just got a look on your face that said, well, you, know, it's all, you, know, see, you, you never know. You never know. You never know with the MIAC. You never know with the SWAC. Why do I think there's a hot take coming at the end of this thing that could be uh, <laughs> could be biblical? I don't know. Why. I'm trying to – how many teams – I forgot where. I, oh no! All right, I know where I stood with the MIAC. Swack is still up in the air. To be honest, this is a okay. this will be the first year where there's no front runner. I don't think. Really? Yeah, I think it's like one of those years where you could literally choose between five teams to win the the conference. Okay, there's there's that's part a mid season hot, hot take. There's a mid show hot mid-show take for hot sure. Take. That, that's, that's up there. I mean, we'll talk about all the big games in a little bit, obviously, but. Again, I, I have a hard time seeing past the G. I got a hard time getting past Grambling on this conference, but I want to let you prove me wrong. I'm going to let you. Well, I, here's the reason why you could, <laughs> you're not wrong probably in Grambling, and I can understand why you like Grambling. It's a proven commodity, recruiting wise. Fair point. Fair you know, point. I mean, Coach Fobbs has done a fantastic job in recruiting. Yeah. And so the talent is, is like AT, is just like AT as far as the pipeline of talent. So you're not far off by thinking that way. But are you saying there's some impact players that uh, might make a difference? Well, you still, well, you still have to – they lost Devontae Kincaid. True. I mean, imagine the two-year run they had with Kincaid at quarterback. It's a fair point. I you mean, know, so you replace him with an unproven commodity, you got you got some concerns. You got any uh, whispers of who the new starter definitely is? Or is it? I, I do not. You have nothing. I have nothing. What are you? What are we bringing? What are we paying you for as an insider? With all the connections that I have, I have nothing. You got. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sake. Oh, whatever, folks. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back again, we will talk about the big games in this conference. Not a ton of out of conference games, but there's some. There's some interesting ones, I think, and obviously some. Uh, some some litmus tests as well. Kind of in the oh, there's mid-season. There's a lot of litmus tests. There's, there's not a ton of big games at the end of the year with the SWAC this season. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk about, we'll have Emery give his team-by-team breakdown in the East and in the West. And then we will have our hot takes, of course. And this will be our uh, it'll be our final hot takes of the season. Now, if you put a SWAC team in the playoffs, then you've gone too far. That's all I'm saying. If you if you somehow... You never know. They're gonna break the rules. Oh, I can't wait to next week, man. We gotta, we really gotta tally up how many playoff teams. <laughs> both are. of us. I think, we're, I think we're both probably way over the limits. We're we're like one hundred two, probably we, combined. We, we, we gotta come up with a whole new thing. So, folks, again, we're gonna be right back after this quick commercial break. We'll have all the big games. We'll have all the breakdown. Stay with us. 
been thinking about changing careers well now is the perfect time to check out connecticut school of broadcasting we have nearby campuses in stratford connecticut westbury long island and hasbrook heights new jersey almost everything you hear on the radio everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals producers camera operators sound designers these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen connecticut school of broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production we've placed thousands since 1964. Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. Again, folks, if you want to listen back to any of our previous podcasts, whether it's our hot takes, our season previews, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You will find us there. Give us a five-star rating while you're there and subscribe. You want to know when everything comes up on the website. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com. For all of Emery's content, for every one of the conferences, he's got everything from all conference teams to the recruits to anything you want to know coming into this season. We're only about a week and a half away, folks, so be ready to go. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at the FCS Opening Drive and at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery. Emery, let's get into the second half of the show here and let's talk about big games. And there, as we said, there's not a ton of out of conference games we can look at here in the SWAC because of the nature of the conference, how many teams are in it. But there are some very there are some interesting ones, and I want to hit on one in week one. And I want your take on this one because it's personal for you. Grambling at your raging cage in September first. <laughs> I want to hear something from this one again. The power of the swag taking on a mediocre co- wow. team in the raging cage. Wow, <laughs> you you started early, man. Like, but all jokes aside, this is the first time they've played. You know, and and so this is a big game. This is as big of a game when the Raging Cajuns scheduled Southern. Yeah. This is as big of a game when the Raging Cajuns got Kansas State to come to Lafayette and beat them. Right. You know, a few years ago. Right. So this is a huge game. This will probably be the most attended game in the season for the Raging Cajuns. Now. This is a game that's also part of what we talked about last week with uh, teams playing UL Monroe. Right. Um, you know, in, I think we talked about uh, Northwestern State or something right. like that, right? So, a lot of guys know each other on a the team. Um, they played against each other in high school. I was about to say, does it get personal? Yeah, it, it definitely gets personal, and it's a big game. And it's, that's why it's going to be so fun to watch. This one will be entertaining for probably about a quarter. And then, wow. you know, then it can slowly start to pull away from, wow. from Grambling. But, you know, if, if it depends on which quarterback for Grambling shows up and plays well. But this will be a fun game. But I'm surprised you started there because you have to start with the kickoff, the Miak Swack Challenge. Go for it. You talk about ties. Here's a, here's a tie for you. You got Prairie View A&M taking on North Carolina Central. Big game. Big game, right? Because Central is 
one of those teams in the in the they're right there. They're right there. Prairie View should be right there in the swag. Right. Um, now you have the new coach for both teams. Right. Kicking off their programs. True. You know, right? So it's at is in Georgia. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah. Could be a prelude to what we could see in the Celebration Bowl, right? Are you calling this a Celebration Bowl preview? I am not calling this a Celebration Bowl, <laughs> Bowl preview. This is a Celebration <laughs> Bowl. This is one of the options that could possibly happen. Um, so this will be an interesting one uh, because of the two teams, two new coaches yes. in Atlanta. But prior to that, you got Prairie View and Rice. Here's why this is interesting. Okay. Because, and the reason why I went backwards is talk to me guess who's rice offense coordinator is hmm is it a name that might be familiar with uh, it is very familiar to those that love hbcu football say it it is very familiar to those that love the north carolina central program right it is their former head coach Hmm. <laughs> and so now he is now the offense yes. coordinator at rice Pra- uh, you saying prairie view's got a chance to win this game I am not saying that, but they always have a chance because rice is one of those rice. Rice is an interesting is an interesting challenge. Bingo! It's like it's like Tulane, you yeah. know. Um, so, I think when you look at when you look at rice, and and you also look at Prairie View in that same just outside of Houston, right? I think that's where you know, Coach Jerry Mack has a lot of experience coaching against SWAC teams. Mm. You know. Okay. All right. This is only their second meeting. Rice, the first time they met, it was 65-44 to Rice. Defense was optional. So Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Coach, like, I'm a big Jerry Mack fan. Okay. He knows offense. And so when he took the job at Rice, I was like, that's a great hire by Rice. Right. Then you look at the schedule and you see they got Prairie View and you see who's now the new head coach. Like, man, I'm a Eric Dooley guy too. Right. Dooley knows offense. Okay. What was the last score? 65-44. We could probably see that in this game. Basketball season starts early, folks. <laughs> Let's, now, we've talked a lot about... Purview. In, in, well, we talked a lot about inter-Louisiana games. Right. Let's talk about an interconference Alabama game on September 8th. Alabama and A&M host North Alabama. Oh, wow. This is an intriguing game because you have North Alabama coming up from D2 where they've been a powerhouse. A&M... They're kind of middle of the road in the east, but this could be a challenge for both teams to really see, all right, where are you in the landscape of Alabama football? I'm glad you brought up litmus tests, right? Okay. Because that's one, right? That's definitely one. That's definitely one. Here's another one. You have, I'm trying to find an order. September 15th. I think I know where you're going. Arkansas, Pine Bluff, South Dakota State. That's not where you were going. (laughs) (laughs) Not where I thought you were going. But that's an interesting matchup, too. Yeah, because... South Dakota State should not have any trouble with that game. Should. On paper, they shouldn't. And they won't. But But. if you're Arkansas, Pine Bluff, you want to find out where where you are as a program. And where do you have to go? One of the top five teams in in the country... Right. This is a great litmus test to find yeah. out where you are. Well, speaking about games against the top five that same weekend, Alabama State's at Kennesaw. And we saw what Alabama State did in the second half of the season. We know what Kennesaw can do. Going 9-2 and two last season, got a decent run in the playoffs. They're ranked number five in the FCS stats poll. I'm not saying it's an upset. I'm saying, again, a good litmus test for Alabama State after they had a great second half of last year. Well, sticking with that theme, you talk, all right, that was September 15th, right? Yep. So they're at Kennesaw State. 
Next week they're at Grambling. Next week they're at Alcorn. The following week after that they're they're at South Alabama. We could find out if Alabama State's the winner of the East <laughs> right. by the end of those four games set. Like that. That's a four. That's a hellacious four game schedule. I'll give you another one. Um, and this is an intriguing one. Another litmus test game. Uh, October sixth, Mississippi Valley at Bethune Cookman. Now, why are you taking? Uh, why are you going with this one? Because Mississippi Valley State again, they've struggled. But Bethune Cookman is one of the powers in the MEAC. Okay. Here's where we are as a program. Here's where we have to go. Okay. This All right. Is, that's that's a, point. That, that's a, that's one of those tests for for uh, Valley. All right. That's a, that that could be an interesting game. The nice thing about the swag is there's a lot of a lot of neutral site games as well. Oh yeah, a lot of classics. So let's talk about one of those classics, the State Fair Classic, Grambling versus Prairie View A and M at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. This is a massive, massive game, especially for Prairie View, because Grambling, all they have to do is hold serve. All they got to do is just take care of their own business. But again, you said it, there's some question marks for Grambling. And if those question marks keep showing up, this game is on the 29th of September. So those first couple weeks, if it's still a question mark, Prairie View's got to be looking at this game saying, we could really cement ourselves as a favorite to win the West. Well, no one knows Grambling's personnel better than Eric Doolin. Right. So... That's a huge game. So, that's a massive game. The former OC is now the head coach at Prairie View. That's a great game. That's going to be a big game. I would also throw in uh, another huge game in the SWAC that we have early, September 29th, Alcorn at Southern. I that's saw always that too. A, that's always a good one. That's going, that's going to be one of those games that could be elimination for one of those teams as far as, you know, where they, I know they're in two separate divisions, but, right. you know, with a conference loss, it's a conference loss. It could be a preview. Again, that's what the nice thing about a conference where you play everybody every single year. Yeah, we saw it with Grambling. We saw it with Grambling. And it's October 20th, Grambling is at Alcorn. Mm-hmm. And we saw what that game was last year. Alcorn was right there with them, and now they're going to be able to host in the regular season? You would, you know they would not love nothing more. Because Alcorn, unless Alabama State goes on a run, which, I mean, you, you said if they go if on that run. If they go on that run, man. They're winning the whole thing, or at least Alcorn's in trouble. But if Alcorn can beat Grambling, especially if they've already lost to Prairie View, they would love nothing more than to get someone other than Grambling in the SWAC title game. Even if it's Southern, they would love to get Grambling out of the way and right. just kick them to the curb. That's the that's a massive game for Alcorn. I would also toss in another uh, intriguing matchup between two up-and-coming teams. October 6th, Alabama A&M at Texas Southern. Ooh. Okay. It's a good middle-of-the-season the game. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. And you always got to close out with the Bayou Classic. Oh, yeah, always. I mean, Southern Grambling. Again, you thought the Celebration Bowl is huge? Add regular season flair <laughs> oh. to potentially win, go to that conference championship game into the middle of it. It gets nuts. It, <laughs> that game, you know, having grown up in New Orleans, that is a hell of a weekend. Is that a it's, Thanksgiving, it's Thanksgiving weekend. I was about to say, it's, 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 an, it's a holiday on top of the holiday. Yeah, you got the Battle of the Bands that happen on Friday night, which is a party. You have the game Saturday, and then all the festivities surrounding the game. So, right. And the games usually mean something because those are usually the two best teams right. in the West. And, and folks, oh, how big can this game hit? First of all, it's on NBCSN last year. Attendance for that game was 66650 Tell me again how nobody cares about the FCS. And that was the first year it was on NBCSN. Normally it's on NBC, so NBC needs to put that game back on national television. If they did, if they if they weren't thinking about it before, look at the look at the ratings, look at the attendance, move it back, just do it already. I know it's yeah. Thanksgiving Day weekend, but come on, ain't nobody checking for Premier Soccer. 
<laughs> I know that was going to tick you off. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I will be. First of all, that's in the morning. First of all, soccer never ends. Yes, that is true. Especially when, in the when, World Cup year. When, when does the season end? Like, there's no off season in soccer. Usually in the end of May, but the U.S. is weird because we go March to November. So, so there's no off season in soccer. There's always fan, soccer on TV. If you're a TV. fan of the game as a whole, as I am, no, there is not, and I am thankful for it. NBC need to put that on NBC SN the Ocho and then put this <laughs> put the Bayou Classic back on national television. See, we can compromise on this because the games in England that go on, on on that Saturday morning are in the morning. They're done by noon. So you can throw that down and then you can throw this game right on NBC right afterwards. Compromise? No, no. Why are we not compromising? There's no there's no conflict. This game has to be on NBC. I know, that's what I'm saying. So- we've watched soccer already. That, Enough. That, that's what I'm saying. That you have the games on NBC from 7.30 in the morning until 12, and then at 1 o'clock when the game comes on to okay. NBC, then you have the college, there you go. And you have the okay. college game. I See? Could, There's I a could, compromise. I could compromise. All there right. we go. I'll give you that. Thank you. Put damn game on the old show. That's what, I, that's what I would do. Put that game on the I'm, I'm not putting that in the same spot. As, I, I don't know what the heck was going on. I know, right? You saw that? <laughs> we had cornhole, which was apparently had a dramatic ending. I have no idea. We had competitive juggling going on. <laughs> like... I mean, tremendous oh, idea. Man. It's like going back to the wide world of sports that my dad had growing up. So that it, was that was. It. I used to watch that. That was pretty cool. It's kind of it's kind of fun, but at the same time, for goodness sakes, just just stop. Again, swag fans, if you want to, you know, make NBC put the game back on national TV, just at their TV complaints department <laughs> at Craig Haley. Put <laughs> put at Craig Haley on Twitter. How many jobs does he have now? <laughs> he is the he's the universal complaint department. Like always complaining to, to at Craig Haley. That's why is he, he not responded to us on Twitter? Has he come back at you for whatever? Because we, <laughs> we we're not just throwing him under the bus. We're throwing him under a freight train that's got a hundred cars on it the whole way along. At Craig Haley, director of NBC's complaint department. Oh, now we're going to get complaints from NBC. That is a false statement. You will take this down immediately. Anyway, folks, let's go into this, and we're going to go we're gonna go team by team. We'll have Emery's take on all of them. We're going to start in the East Division, then we'll move to the West. So if you're wondering why Arkansas Pine Bluff is in fourth, that's why. Let's start with Alabama A&M in the Eastern Division, a team that was middle of the road last year. They finished 3-4 and four in conference, 4-7 and seven overall. What are we looking for out of A&M with a brand-new head coach? I think Spady recruited well, so the cupboard isn't bare. Manor's going to come in, and he's going to stabilize the offense. I think they're about a year or two away. Year or two away from being you challenging. From being a court? challenging, uh, a great opponent in, in the East. Okay, all right. That's Offense is going to be fun to watch this year. All right, that's it'll be interesting to watch. Alabama State. We mentioned last year they had a coach change midseason. Sometimes that doesn't work. This time it worked brilliantly. They ended up finishing five and six. Uh, Donald Hill Ely again. He's now the full time head coach. He's got full control of the reins, and it looks like he's got full control of this team. Man, having spoken with him in January, I was ready to play for him. <laughs> like he is, I get why the turnaround happened, man. He is a deep thinker, a, a, a pragmatic type of a guy. Most right. defensive coaches are, right? Which is why they have success. Which is why I think Alabama State is going to have success. They're always tinkering. Defensive coaches are always tinkering. And he did, with a plus B equals C, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Offensive coaches throw, go. He's right. <laughs> always moving parts and over offense. Defense is like, can you? Like how bad do you want it? You know, and that's and that's what Alabama's. They're going to be good, quite honestly. Let's move to Alcorn State, the Braves, champions of the Eastern Division last year, uh, lost to Grambling in a very entertaining game in the SWAC title game. Their favorites going in again. Are they even going to get challenged in this Eastern Division? Do you think they'll be challenged? And 
again, speaking with Coach McNair in January, I became much more appreciative of the job he has done, considering what he has to work with and right. where, you know, all the different challenges that, that go into play that a lot of people don't know about at Alcorn. He's keeping that program together. He's done a fantastic job there. And I think they may have a budding star at quarterback that's an incoming player. Ah, and we'll have you'll have to watch the video to make sure Thank you know you that happened. Uh, again, new first first year head coach, uh, offensive coordinator too, Ryan Stancheck, and a new new defensive coordinator, Cedric Thornton, who's been in the program for three years. He's taking over the defense. So uh, shout out to the Braves, who good program. I, I spent uh, a good you know piece of the morning there because that was the day I went to uh, LSU after I went to Alcorn. So right. I spent the morning at at Alcorn and the afternoon, late evening at LSU, but enjoyed my time there. It's a great campus, a lot of history, and uh, really good football. Let's move on to another historic program, Jackson State. The Tigers, um, as you said, a new offensive coordinator and Hal Mummy coming in, a team that was solid last season, but not great. 3-8 and eight overall, 3-4 and four in the conference play, though. They were certainly competitive in conference play. What are we looking at for Jackson State? If they get any offense, I know Coach Hughes can coach defense. This could be a sleeper team. Right. They also are coming off of a season where uh, well, we just was talked about the talking about my time in Canton, Ohio. Right. You know, with Robert Brazil going in. Right. You know, exactly. That nineteen seventy one to seventy fourteen, Walter Payton, Jackie Slater, and Robert Brazil all went. To, you know, all went to that program, and I think obviously they want to get back to that. They have the stadium. They have the the history, the tradition. Right. They have the coaches now. I think Jackson State could be a team to watch. Massive stadium, by the way, folks. Over over sixty thousand, I yeah. think, something like that. It's a big, big stadium for for FCS football. So uh, certainly they have the tradition there. Let's move to the last team in the East, Mississippi Valley State. The Delta Devils complete turnaround. Vincent Dancy takes over. They got brand new coordinators, Maurice Flowers and Derek Welsh, coming in for their first seasons. What are we looking at for Mississippi Valley State? They were bottom of the barrel last year. Yeah, they went two and nine last year. So let's use that as a baseline. And, and thinking about their program in totality, if they can get four wins, that's huge. That's a step in the right direction. Right. Or if they have two wins like they did last year but are competitive throughout, that's still a step in the right direction. Right. And I think you're going to start to see them take steps in the right direction uh, this season. That's one game we didn't talk about, too, that I want is them versus Arkansas Pine Bluff, who are the bottom of right. the Western Division. Good Look for both teams with brand new coaches, brand new staffs. Okay, where do we stand? And that exactly. game happens right in the middle of the season. Let's talk about Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's move to the West Division. The Golden Lions, uh, Cedric Thomas taking over, Jermaine Gates, uh, Gales, excuse me, and Juan Navarro taking over the OC and DC. What are we looking at from Arkansas Pine Bluff? It's funny because a couple years ago, I want to say six years ago, 2012 or 2014, one of those, they won the SWAT. Yeah. So there's tradition there to win. They've had success. Just got to get back to it. They have a star in the NFL right now, and Teron Armstead starting left tackle for the New Orleans Saints. So this hasn't been one of those downtrodden programs. Monty Coleman did a great job while he was there. And I think, you know, now is going to try to – you're going to try to get back to that. Right. And, I mean, you're in a tough division, a tough side of the division uh, to to make that happen. But I like Mississippi Valley State, you'll start to see – steps in the right direction they got to avoid injury uh, and a lot of things have to break for them to to really challenge at the top the good news is they have a good chance of going well, of matching last year's win total in weeks one and two they got morehouse college and cumberland week one which week cumberland two. though you got kentucky you got tennessee 
Uh, that's a good question because it doesn't say. It's the one in the NAIA, if that makes any help uh, to both you. Both of them. Tennessee. Okay. So, uh, you know, that could be tough. Both the tough opponents, honestly, but, you know. But before going into that South Dakota State game, I'd much rather be 2-0 and than at least 1-1. One and one. Yeah, you got to be 2-0. and You better be 2-0. You better be 2-0. You can't lose to Morehouse. Especially since you have FIU later on in the season, too, so that's yeah. not helping you out. Shout out to the Panthers. Let's move on to the next team in the Western Division, and it's the power. It is Grambling State, the Tigers. There's a lot of question marks. Mm-hmm. We know what they can do. You said there's a lot of juniors and sophomores coming up that you saw last year. They certainly have talent. Quarterback position is a question. But they were dominant last year. They took A&T to the brink. How does Grambling follow up that season? They'll be good. They'll be a good team. Diarius Christmas is one of the best players, period, in the SWAC. He was all over the field in that Celebration Bowl game. Um, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get a look-see from the NFL scouts. Yep. He's a speedy, weak-side type of a linebacker. Uh, so I think defensively they'll be better. Offensively, I, I want to say it's Higginbottom is the quarterback that's going to be replacing – Kincaid or you know, in line to replace Kincaid, I, I think that's his name. So we'll see. If they can get that you know, situation squared away, then maybe. But if not, then uh, they'll, they'll make things definitely interesting in uh, the conference because quarterback play is everything. And Well, uh, you talked talk about their defense. Their defensive line is stacked. Absolutely stacked with Banks, Clark, and Varner. So the three of those guys plus Mullins, the junior, They've got a very, very good defensive line that'll keep them in games. Hickbottom. Jeremy Hickbottom. That's his name. Okay, so there's the prediction for week one. We won't know though until And he he you know, he played some last year, so Okay, so we'll he's see. got he's got some experience yeah. then. Let's move to Prairie View A and M. We talked a lot about them. They're an up and coming program. You like what you've seen out of them. What are we looking at from the Panthers this season with Eric Dooley in charge? The passing game is gonna be phenomenal. Yeah. But the, yep. you can say that about every Prairie View team. Uh, Willie Simmons had their offense, you know, cooking. I think you won't see a drop-off there. Whatever strides they make defensively could help them and help their case in the West Division. They're good They're good in the secondary. They're yeah. good in the secondary on the defensive side of the ball. The rest of it, kind of in the middle of the road. So we'll have to see how they pick things up. But again, with a coach like Eric Dooley coming in, he'll he'll expect some things. Let's I move. wear extra-large Coach Dooley and Coach Fobbs is letting y'all know. <laughs> Going with an extra-large again. All right, let's move on to the Southern Jaguars. <laughs> Um, a team that kind of gotten got forgotten um, in this Western Division. It always seems to happen. Whoever you know, you could be have a perfect season, and all of a sudden you lose to Grambling, and that's it. Southern was right there. They took them to the brink. They had a very very good team. Southern's going to be up there competing once again. Absolutely, they just got to. You, you talk about the issue with Grambling replacing the quarterback. They're replacing Austin Howard, who was one of the. I think he was the best pure passer. In the swag. Yes. So replacing him, you lose NFL player Danny Johnson and all his interceptions. Uh, so, and you also lose Aaron Tiller, the sack specialist. So they got some huge holes to fill. Right. And how quickly can they fill them will be their key. And I'm, and they're still looking for another game. Right now, there's only 10 games on their schedule. So they're still looking for one more game to play somewhere. But they got. Uh, two. Can they get SUNY Maritime? Hampton got SUNY Maritime, so maybe call Hampton. Hampton how did you get them? Quick. I mean, I don't know what Springfield's schedule is, but hey, we'll play them. Y'all don't want that smoke, man. Are you sure? The, are you sure they don't want that option they coming want, at them? They don't want that smoke. Y'all don't want that. The smoke. option, man. I'm telling you, they, they've got a tough start to the season, though. They got TCU and Louisiana Tech both away. The Louisiana Tech game is interesting. That's an interesting one. TCU. I mean, you never know what you can get out of the Horn Frogs. They could be great, or they could be meh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just say 
the Louisiana Tech game is interesting. Okay. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> Could it be a game of intrigue in week two? We'll find out. It, it, you never know with these Louisiana versus Louisiana games. Like the Grambling, yeah. Raging Cajun It's personal. It's personal. It's, it's very it, personal. It could get out of hand quickly. Last team in the conference in the West. Let's go to Texas Southern, the Tigers. Um, two and nine last year, two and five. They got a new OC in Morris Watts. Uh, Michael Haywood going into his third season as the head ball coach there. Um, what can we look for from Texas Southern? I think you're you're starting to see him have his imprint on the program. Mm-hmm. He was a great position coach at LSU. I know for a fact because I went to LSU's football camp and he was a running backs coach at the time. Right. Um, and he had a lot of success coaching those running backs. He turned around Miami of Ohio. You know that's hard to turn around. Right. And so he he was supposed to be the head coach at Pitt, but all that uh, drama you know it was hashed out. So he got the job at at Texas Southern. And now he, I know he can recruit. I know he can coach. Right. I think Texas Southern's secondary uh, is going to be good. Defensively, they're going to be better. Just like with a lot of teams in the West, who's going to play quarterback? And can they get consistent play out the quarterback can ultimately determine how good they can be. Also, can we talk about their first four weeks? Their month of September is, is Who do they have? They start with UT Permian Basin. Ah. Then they have at Texas State, at Alcorn, and then they play Houston. <laughs> what a weird schedule that well, is. Well, they don't have to travel much for the Houston game. Just got to go across town. Right. San Marco's not too far away, I don't believe. And and, and, but Texas, and Texas, that could be a that could be a game of entry. That could be a game. But UT Permian Basin? Who? That's what? a division. That's one of those new upstart <laughs> programs, a Division II program. They may be a candidate to quietly move up to the South. Them and along with UT Rio <laughs> Grande Valley. Who just announced they got the feasibility study back, and it calls for them to to start FBS football. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, <laughs> UT Rio Grande Valley. Yes. Okay, you've gone way, you've gone too down far down the wormhole. It's gone. <laughs> he's he's done, folks. Let, that's it for our previews. Let, What's your hot take? Well, let, let, I want yours first. First of all, Coach Odoms, I wear an extra large. Fine. You know. So I'm just let that. So that Southern Grambling Prairie View, I wear extra large. Coach Healy, extra large. I already got something for all Corn State. Seriously? So I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just letting these guys know right. my shirt size. But right. my hot take is this: You wait. You you sit on pins and pins and needles over there. You you wait for this flambe take. Come on. Uh, but I will say this: Yes. The SWAC championship game will look a lot different. Than what we've seen it. <laughs> so you're saying a total turnover. I'm just saying it look a lot different. Think about what we've had the last couple of years. Read between the lines, folks. Read between the lines. He's so, calling both of you out, Grambling Alcorn. So we'll we'll see. I will here's the other hot take. Um I think yes. looking at the schedule and looking at some of these teams and who they play. Yes. We'll see a SWAC team outside of the SWAC winner in the top 25. There's the flop. So you'll, you're ha- you'll have the, 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 the team that, that wins the SWAC in the top 25. Okay. All right. But there will be a second team to crack the top 25 by season's end. Interesting. Interesting. Grambling, I think they ended up, I believe, at number 16 last year. They, and they were what? 12 and 1 or something like that? They were 11 and 2. Okay. So you're going to have to get a team probably at 8 or 9 wins for that to happen. It could happen. 
It could. <laughs> it Go could. Ahead. All right, my hot take. This is an. You don't a, sound already. You already don't sound enthused about your hot take. It's a, it's an. I need some confidence with this hot. It's take. an interesting hot take because it, it's. This is a weird conference to predict because you have. You know, they have the championship game. Then you have the celebration bowl on top of that. You got all these classics in the middle. I will say this, though. I will say this. The winner of the SWAC title game will win the celebration bowl. Oh, so you think the SWAC champ is already better than the MIAC champ? That's what I, I think the MIAC is more wide open. Mm-hmm. But I think the SWAC quietly, because uh, I've seen part of your recruiting video. I've seen part of it. Oh, check you out. Like- that... There are teams in this conference that if they wind their way through the season, right, have the explosiveness to make a difference in Atlanta at the Celebration Bowl. See, I'm not I could press you, but uh I'm not going to press you. I could I could go team by team right now and ask you who do you think is going to beat a team out the MIAC and I'm not going to even I could also even name the MIAC team, but I'm not going to do that to you cuz it's Tuesday. Well, thanks. <laughs> Thank God for tu- Taco Tuesday. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, I will also say this, too. The East Division will be as competitive at the top as the West Division. It will not be a runaway. That's uh, that's my lukewarm take. So the SWAC overall will be com- highly competitive. I think the SWAC overall, the West Division, the last few years has been the competitive one because you have Grambling, because you have right. Southern. Right, it's been Purdue a one-team race up. in the, yeah. East, it's been Alcorn and others. I can say at least three teams winning the East Division this year. That's okay. what I'm saying. That's so not that, that's you know, that's, that's. It, I think the East and the West could be very entertaining to watch. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Folks, that is the end of the SWAC podcast here. We've had our hot takes from all the way back to the big sky. We're done in yeah. terms of conference previews. We're two weekends away from FCS college football. Here's what what the folks have to uh look forward to. Tell them. Next week we got our All-American team, our football game plan preseason All-American team, along with our football game plan playoff predictions. And all those complaints can also be sent to Craig Haley. At Order. Craig Haley. <laughs> send those, you can start sending those right now. Um, what else we got coming? We have uh, see, preseason All-American playoff predictions. And do we have games next week? What's, to, what's today's? Not yeah, next week. Yeah, we, we should. We got the September 25th. We have, I mean, October, August 25th. Preview at Rice. We'll have the previews for those games next week. And Duquesne at UMass. There's a there's a few. There's a there's a handful on the twenty fifth. I think they call this week zero. Yeah, week zero. There you go. Week zero. Which is which is dumb. (laughs) Very very. At least make it like one like one point oh or something like that, and then you have one double. I don't know. I just say opening week. Yeah, something the opening weeks. You know, just have it's right. Just swing it all in together, but it's almost game time. It's almost game time. When is the FCS kickoff? It's got to be coming up soon. Doesn't it got to be the third, the you know that first week because I know Wagner plays Bowie State on the thirtieth of August. It's the tw- you have well you got the twenty third. Uh, wait, no, hold on. What? Uh, for goodness sake, why did these up? Nothing. Okay, so it's Jacksonville State versus A and T. When the twenty eighteen matchup and that game is on. Uh, where? Why will you not tell me this? Stop! T- <laughs> these these websites are lying to me. I'm reading. Where, where is, are you looking? It's it's. It, I'm looking everywhere, and it's not happening. Um, but you do have. I mean that that is the opening week, and if I remember correct, that that should be week one, I believe. That's usually week zero. I, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, it is August 25th. So it's so, Jacksonville so, State right. versus A and T 
massive game. Next week. Massive, massive, massive game. Not this weekend, next weekend. So that, so we got we got game previews coming up too. Oh, it's gonna be now. And it gets interesting. Now it gets now it starts to count. That's gonna be a huge game. And now the the rest of our weeks, I'm gonna be down at a wedding, listening back to podcasts to figure out how many teams this guy has put into the playoffs. <laughs> the I'm just excited to see this this uh, game uh, next week between Jacksonville State and A and T because apparently whoever wins that game is gonna lose to the SWAC champ, according to you. Well, Jack, again, well, Jacksonville State, not in the MEAC, so OVC. <laughs> so if they lose that game, you have nothing on me. It's over. It's all, but I will say it's number six versus number 14. Yeah, we got a lot of good content coming down the pike, So, man. And then, of course, you got the FBS games Could there, where the upset's going to show up. Because there's always one or two mm-hmm. with the FBS. The question is, where? So we'll have to see what happens next. I don't know why Emery's trying to take a picture of me right no, now. No, no, I, I was zooming in <laughs> on something. But, folks, well, that is going to do it. Again, we have a whole bunch of content. Some of it is already up for SWAC Week. We got more coming up that uh, Emery will be putting up over the next couple days. And then next week, we're hoping to have our producer Mike McCarthy in with his – I mean, you think we have hot takes. You should. Man, Mike, Mike has all the hot takes, man. My, Mike is a hot take machine, bro. Mike, Mike goes full hibachi on his yeah, hot takes. It's goodness. It, Mike be having some takes, man. I mean, most of it is based on the color schemes, but let, let's let's we can't we can't hate on them too much, folks. Again, thanks for listening in. You can listen to all of our previews before the uh, the big show next week. You look back from the big sky all the way here to the day at the SWAC. Thanks as always for listening in. Have a good one.